I'm Arlen Hamilton, and I'm an investor. In 2015, I launched Backstage Capital, a venture capital fund, after experiencing food and housing insecurity for most of my life. I wanted to invest in companies led by founders who are women, people of color, and LGBTQ, just like me. I have invested in more than 150 companies since 2015 and growing. I started your first million to understand what it was like to make your first million dollars, get your first million fans or downloads, and to see if there was a common thread between us all. Join me as I talk to people from all walks of life about how they got where they are, what they learned on the way, and where they're going. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, I made my first million. <laughs> Let's talk about it. They slept on me, but now they walk Because I got a million Fresh out the mud, but I'm clean and so Because I got a million I got my first million I got my first million Hello, hello, it's Arlen. Welcome back to your first million. I'm still so in love with our new theme song um, that we use. Oh my goodness, I just love it. It's so perfect. And... um, yeah, I just want to give another shout out to Tobe Nguigwe. I'm getting better at saying his name, and I'm going to keep trying until I get it right, because he deserves it, and that's uh, what I'll keep doing. Just absolute talent. So today is, what is it, February 15th? Yes, it's Monday. Just, just finished an interview with Abby Levy. And she is a venture capitalist at Primetime Partners, which is a venture fund, $50 million venture fund that invests in companies that are uh, either led by or uh, addressing the market of 60 plus. Um, and, and many of you would have heard me talk about my love for that, for that lane um, when I'm asked what, I, what trends I like. I don't really think about trends, but if we think about like what I think is very exciting and what could be the next several years of growth, it's in that space of what are people doing from 60 to 100? And we're all going to get there as we talk about in this interview. Um, so hopefully we all get there together. Okay, so check out the interview. It is very, very uh, enlightening. And I think that it's one of those that you'll probably want to listen to. And then if you can, send it over to someone who is 60 plus. If you're, even if you're 60 plus, send it also to someone else who is 60 plus and, and have a listen because it's about entrepreneurship uh, at, at an older age, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Did you do anything? How was it? I saw a lot of people posting that they had a good time. Um, if you're single, um, it was just February 14th. How was that? How was your Sunday? I'm married and my wife and I did zero for Valentine's Day, although I did get some candy for myself and ate a lot of it because <laughs> that's what the holiday spirit is all about. We just don't um, really buy into Valentine's, but we appreciate it for other people and um we, we're kind of like that couple who's just like completely just like huggy and, oh, no, you're cuter. No, you cuter. We're that every day. So Valentine's would just be over the top for us. But uh, we're a romantic couple. And I think, yeah, I think that's 
that's all I have to say about Valentine's. This week is uh, a bear of a week for most of you in the United States when it comes to weather. Please stay safe. Please reach out to people um, that you, maybe you haven't heard from in a while and just kind of check on them. If you're, if you're lucky like we are in California for the most part, uh, reach out to someone who might be going through this crazy weather alone or, um, you know, just want to have a little company even more so than the last year has, uh, has afforded and uh, or has called for. I think the last thing I'll say is if you haven't seen the Broadway version of Newsies on Disney Plus, go watch it. I mean, if you've watched Newsies, the movie, because you're about that life, I think you'll really love this. It's very, very good. And I hadn't, I've been putting it off because I was like, I don't want to, why, why mess with the original? But it was very, very good. And I enjoyed it. Oh, that's not the last thing I'm going to say. The last thing I'm going to say is I went, to, I went from Newsies to uh, Judas and the Black Messiah seam, seamlessly. Thank you very much. And um, the movie is fantastic, in my, in my opinion. It is it is beautifully shot, first of all. Just I love when black filmmakers film black people because you can just see the difference. Uh, it started, I think, it started before Forrest Whitaker and Waiting to Excel, but it, it really was brought home then. And the way that he, he lit um, the, the women on that movie and, and so on. And you really can tell... Um, that there was a lot of care taken there. Just the, it's just beautiful. It just makes me think of all sorts of uh, warm textures and and words and things like that. And then the movie itself, very educational. There's some poetic just, I mean, some poetic. Um, what is the word? Not poetic justice. Poetic. Uh, you know the word. If you know the word, just text me or tweet me and tell me what the word is. License. Poetic license. There's some poetic license, but. It is, I think, just wonderful, and it makes me hopeful and angry and um, emboldened. <laughs> um, it makes me a lot of things to watch that, but I watched it and um, over the weekend, and just great. And also, like, the, the, the people in that movie, the actors in that movie, geez, they can do a movie together over and over and over and over again, and I will watch it every single year. So that, that needs to be a thing. Okay, this isn't a, a movie review uh, podcast, so as evident by my review, but I will, uh, I'll let you to it. This is a great interview. We're going to be doing more and more this year. We're really cranking things up, so stay tuned, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. Hi, Abby. Hi, Arlen. So nice to meet you. You too. Uh, how are you doing today? Are you are you somewhere cold or somewhere like I am uh, fortunate to not be in the this crazy storm? Yeah, I am in New York City, and uh, contrary to some people's uh, uh, shouting from the rooftops, New York is alive and well, and and we New Yorkers are thrilled to be here. So uh, even though it's about twenty degrees outside, couldn't be happier. Wow. Yeah. Um, this storm though is absolutely, I, I don't even know if it's a storm. It's like the whole, it's 80% of the country. It's absolutely crazy, but I, I bet it's beautiful there too. 
Yeah, no, I've been trying not to have apocalyptic thoughts between <laughs> all the things that have gone on the past year plus the weather. So I'm just going to chalk it up to a, a, a wonderful white backdrop. Yes. You know what I do when I start to think like that, because that is so easy to think apocalyptic, is I really go back and think about, you know, centuries ago when like 90% of the population was wiped out or this in certain places or this or that. I'm like, okay, we're okay. We're going to be okay. <laughs> we, we have some tools and, and in the work that you do, uh, I'm going to transition like real smooth. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about, cause I, I'm, if I don't, I'll start thinking about Seth MacFarlane and his movie uh, a long time ago that, that talked about that, which I loved. Anyway, um, let's talk about your work. What, how do you identify, first of all, like what is when you when someone says, oh, what do you do? What do you say? Because you've worked on so many different things. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I first identify as a mom because I guess like, you know, the biggest life change you can do is having three people pop out of your hoo-hoo. So um, I, I do think that's probably viewer to say I probably identify as a mom, a daughter, a sister you know, all, all of those things. Um, but professionally, how I, I identify is uh, I run a venture fund, as do you. Uh, we are, I would say, uh, I'm so thrilled to have this conversation because I've kind of been watching you with a bit of a girl crush on, on, on how you do things. And, and you absolutely uh, look at underserved founders or underrepresented founders. Um, and I do that in terms of businesses that address underrepresented audience of older adults, which is the nice way of saying people kind of age 60 plus. Um, and so that's what I do. I uh, started a venture fund about a year ago to focus on uh, founders, funding founders uh, who build businesses for older adults. Yes. And I tracked this for since almost, you know, the announcement, I guess, because oftentimes, and thank you, by the way, for saying that uh, flattering stuff, but oftentimes people ask me in interviews or like when I'm speaking, what trends do you like or what are you into? And I'm like, I don't really do trends at all, but what yeah. I do feel very connected to is how do we not um, just kind of write off people as they go, as when they turn 60, not just for their healthcare, but their livelihood, the quality of life and their entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. Yeah. And so when I saw the description of your fund, when it was first released, probably, you know, the, the PR for it or the press for it, I thought this is, this is what we're talking about. And I also thought immediately of Monique Woodard. Yes. And because she wrote this white paper, uh, a black venture capitalist wrote this black, uh, white paper, black venture capitalist <laughs> wrote a white paper on, on this very topic. And so there's a, there's a term we can talk about there. First of all, um, can you just, can you, it's called Primetime? Did I get that right? Yep. Prime yep. So it's Primetime Partners. We're a $50 million seed to series A fund. We, and what I mean, we, it's myself and my partner, Alan Patrickoff, who himself has been an investor for 50 plus years. He started the firm Apex, which stands for his name, Alan Patrickoff, a, a multi-billion dollar private equity firm. And then Graycroft Partners, which has been around for over a decade as a, a preeminent venture firm. And I've known Alan for the past few years because when I was the founding president of Thrive Global, uh, a startup I started with Ariane Huffington, he was, he funded it through Graycroft back then. 
And so Alan at age 85 wanted to uh, start a new venture, which is exactly the type of, of audience that we're looking to encourage are, are folks that are not defined by their age, but really by their experience and what they can contribute. So Alan and I, we start our mornings uh, every morning, although today is a holiday, it's President's Day, so we did this morning, but we typically start our morning every morning with a call at 7 or 7.30 to talk about uh, what comes next. So we're a small team, we're a team of four right now, and we've made 10 investments in the past uh, seven months, eight months, and are probably going to have about 30 investments in the portfolio. And we it ranges from uh, the topics of what older adults care about. What older adults care about is they care about their health, their financial security, and having meaningful experiences and not kind of being counted out, if you will. So what that means technically for those who are investors, we do health tech, fintech, and consumer tech. Yeah, I met um, Alan in DC a couple of years ago. Uh, he just came up to a table. I was at an event for um, um, an uh forgot what the exact event was, but it was for a press, the mm -hmm. Atlantic. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we were at his table and he just kind of walked up to the table and started talking and, and really dialed in and dialed in on my story. It was like eight of eight or 10 of us. He dialed in on my story right away. I just kind of noticed he was working the room and um, we talked for a good like 15 minutes and he was so interested in what, what I was talking about. Then he walked away and then someone was like, someone had to tell me who he was. And then yeah. when they told me who he was, he's, they're, they're like, basically was one of the people who like started venture capital. <laughs> you know, <Like> he's, <laughs> yes. he's basically the first, like one of the 10 people who started venture capital. And he was just so friendly and so, um, and still is I'm sure, like so mm -hmm. uh, vibrant and curious. And, and I can imagine having him as a partner is very thrilling and exciting. Um, and whose idea was it? Was it your idea and you found him or vice versa? I mean, I think we both came to it separately. I had decided, uh, for me, the idea really came around, uh, I would say, frustration, which is actually one of the best ways to start a business is out of frustration. <laughs> and so I was super frustrated that when I looked for activities and enterprises for my parents to get involved with, my parents are in their 70s and 80s, I was like, why is there nothing for my parents to do? Like, they're not in the 1%, you know, they don't play golf. Like, wh why is it that it seems like they're just not in embraced you know, in terms of, of, of their talents and, and what they can contribute. So it really started more as a personal project that then kind of turned into frustration because as a member of the New York City founders community and as an angel investor, I kept getting pitched by all these founders who are so excited about their business ideas that inevitably focused on new moms, millennials, or pets. And I was like, yeah. why is there nobody, like truly, like not a single pitch focusing on the needs of older adults? So that's where I had kind of how I came to it was really out of frustration. Um, and instead of starting one or two companies like in the space, I decided the right company to start would be an investment platform to encourage innovation entrepreneurship in the whole sector. Um, I knew Alan through our experience at Thrive Global together. I was talking to one of his sons who I went to grad school with. And I told his son, Jonathan, that I was going to start a venture fund focused on, on older adults. And he literally dropped his fork. He's like, that's what my dad wants to do. And so Alan came at this from a slightly different lens was in that really two lenses. One is that he's been a caregiver. Um, his wife actually, unfortunately, just passed away, but she struggled with Alzheimer's for 12 years. And so he had really this front row seat into the complexities, the sadness, and the kind of cluster blank that is um, uh, people in decline. 
And it's just really not talked about. And if you have anyone in your life who has suffered or been part of that decline, it is truly, truly um, a challenging situation. And so I think part of it was him wanting to share what he had learned and seen as a caregiver. Um, but the other part was that he was looking around at his peer group and he's like, all these really talented people, there's even the younger folk, as he would call them, the people in their 60s, they're just getting pushed out of the workforce. Yeah. And they have so much to contribute, so much to add. Like, how can we encourage these guys and gals to start businesses, to join with founders? And he just saw the, the, the kind of two sides of the coin. He saw all these bright young founders lacking experience, and he saw all these experienced professionals wanting to contribute. And so that's kind of, I would say, the second piece of Primetime's mission. If the first is to encourage new products, services, and technologies for older adults, the other is to find ways to get older adults into becoming founders, to encourage them to become founders. Um, and so we'll talk offline, but I'm going to need your help because we're going to create a Shark Tank for older adults, a pitch contest, so that we get, you know, we really break the myths around, you know, what you, you know, you can and can't do, uh, you know, based on certain age parameters. But so that's how we came to it. We came to it from different angles, but we've really been, I would say, yin and yang, good cop, bad cop, uh, really having a great time. Well, I love that. And and for your Shark Tank, I I know a couple of people who might be interested, one being Mark Cuban. I'm not going to speak for him, but I definitely will talk to him about it. But the other being my mother, who is the one who at, at, you know, just a couple of two or three years ago, she started coming to all of my events and she would come in and at first people didn't know she was with me. So she would sit with founders and just talk to them and see how they treated her without knowing that she was with me. And she would, by the end of it, everyone, she'd come and say, you need to talk to this person because they're working on something really great. This other person, da, 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 because she would get that great uh, feedback. And now um, she goes in very specifically with a notebook and, and she has the ability to make investments if she wants. And I think she'd be fantastic. And I always send her things to look at um, from all different uh, industries and verticals. Um, let me switch gears for a second and ask you this question. Have you ever seen the television show Dinosaurs? Of course, yeah. Yes. So do you remember this episode where, I mean, it was, it was probably their best episode where um, this was like, I don't know, the 90s, I think? Um, it was you and I are similar vintage. I'm, I'm 46. Okay, so I'm 40. So it was the 90s. So it was, um, they had the, the, the grandmother. And it was literal dinosaurs for people who weren't watching. There were dinosaurs that were like an ABC family. And the, the, the tradition was when you reached a certain age, you just take your elders and you just throw them off into the tar pits. And it was very specific <laughs> and nonchalant. And there, there was this whole thing about it because I, I think the teenagers wanted to question why you do this. You know, the parents are fine, yeah. the teenagers. And so I, I think about that more often than probably should, but I think about that all the time when I think about people just being sent out to pasture and being thrown off into the tar pits because you reach a certain age. Because here's the thing, first of all, if you reach a certain age, good for you. You know, people are so afraid of getting older and I'm, I have never been afraid of getting older because I'm like, that means I'm still alive. And second yeah. of all, most of us are, are going to be there one day, you know? And I say most of us, you know, the majority of people are going to be the age that you think is old today. So yeah. don't you want to be treated a certain way? And don't you want to be respected a certain way, you know? So what do you, when you talk about investing in that group, are you investing in founders who, who appeal to that group or founders who are that group? And if both, what is the kind of the percentage breakdown? It's a great question. 
Um, so, and by the way, back to your, your dinosaurs analogy, I have to say, and I don't have the data yet, but coming out of COVID, it has been a complete reality check for younger people watching what happened to the state of our older adults in our country mm-hmm. being basically prisoners in their own homes. Mm-hmm. And whether it was your mom or your grandmom or someone else's friend, it has really woken people up to saying, we have a major problem with how we treat people. And I can just tell you kind of anecdotally based on the number of founders who have pivoted their ideas to now focus on this population, the changes in our regulations, what's going on in terms of policy speak. I mean, I'm not saying we're gonna you know, about face on ageism overnight, but certainly there is a lot more awareness and to be honest, kind of a good sense of fear around, wait, this is our future. And, you know, I, I really, I, in some ways, I hope this wake up call continues. Um, but specifically for, for us in primetime, it's more what you said is the former, which is we're really focused on building out the infrastructure that's needed for older adults to thrive. And so some of our investment themes, if you will, are, are topics that are, you know, you are so obvious, like aging in place, not having to leave your home. Um, like looking at preventative healthcare. So much of our healthcare is after the fact, acute care, not saying preventative. And, and I came before starting this, I was at SoulCycle, which is like another story, but having been in the fitness industry, you know, why is all fitness, mental health, nutrition focused on people in sports bras in their twenties and thirties? Like, why are we not building those same businesses? Because it's not too late in your sixties and seventies. I'm sure your mom is, is, is doing her best to live a healthful life. And, and, you know, so are my parents and, you know, that no, at that point you actually have the time usually, and you know, to, to do so. So, you know, be preventative health, financial insecurity, half of Americans are going to run out of money. Like as our lifespans have increased, our bank accounts haven't and our savings profile and retirement income hasn't. So, I mean, honestly, like what is going to happen to half of our population at that age bracket that's going to run out of money? So there's a lot of systemic issues that need to be solved and government does its best and an incumbent big business does its best, but we need entrepreneurs. And the fact that this segment has been so overlooked by entrepreneurs, we're missing the best growth engine in our country. Um, which, you know, I mean, you've seen, you've invested in over 150, you know, companies like this is, this is how change happens. And so that's why I feel so passionately about entrepreneurship as the way in to social impact, um, you know, for, for this segment. And are there one or two companies you want to highlight to give an example? Absolutely. Um, So one of our businesses, Carewell, carewell.com is a way that, uh, you can get um, home health supplies delivered to you. And so these are things like, you know, uh, uh, adult diapers for incontinence, which by the way, many, many older adults, um, you know, s- suffer from um, and adult nutrition and all sorts of home supplies, catheters, all these things. But the coolest part about this business, Arlen, is as opposed to just being an e-commerce site, they have a call center with customer care representatives who are former caregivers who can guide you through and kind of help you figure out what you need, how to use it, and be that voice of support for the 50 million caregivers in our country who are kind of unpaid, totally stressed out, like a dark workforce that like exists in our system for those that take care of their loved ones. So Carewell um, and the co-founders were caregivers themselves. It's just like a stellar, stellar business. Uh, and and just the right mix of technology and, and human service. So really love what Carewell's doing. Um, another business uh, that 
uh, again, kind of serves, I would say, the average American is a business called Retireable. So most Americans don't have a retirement plan uh, because unless you have enough assets under management, you're not of interest. To, and it's understandable. It's not the business model of banks or of um, you know, the Fidelities and Schwabs and, and financial managers. So what do you do if you don't have a financial plan or a retirement plan? That's what Retireable does. They use a combination of, of digital support plus also kind of video support to help people answer those big questions like when do I take social security what what what's medicare how long can I live in my house I mean there's so many big financial decisions that need to be made and if you're making it like without support um, how do you know that you're making the best decision so that's what retireable does and and so those would be a couple of examples my the last one I'll mention is a business called get set up uh, get set up. It's so cool. It really, it's amazing how it's just grown through COVID. It's, um, it's basically peer to peer video learning for older adults. So about half of older adults at a certain age live on their own and social isolation is, is an issue for all Americans, but particularly for, for this population. And so being able to be part of video learning, live video learning is kind of just it's like we, we spend all day on Zoom, we're used to it, but now here is a, is, a, is a destination and a home for older adults. And what's actually really cool, and I'm sorry to plug it, but what they did is they realized access to the COVID vaccine is really for the digitally savvy. Like Because in order to sign up for the COVID vaccine, you have to be digitally savvy. So what Get Set Up has been doing is offering for free training classes for older adults to figure out how to navigate the technology and how to get to the right website and to sign up. And so those basic, not basic, but yeah, pretty things that we take for granted um, is something that gets it up is really tackling. So really excited about these founders who are all finding business models and ways to make money, uh, but doing so while also having tremendous impact on people's lives. Yeah. And um, I have to say, uh, my mom will probably disagree with me, but she is more at least mobile savvy than I am. Like, you know, as soon as uh, six years ago, I, I showed her what Uber was at the time, now Lyft, um, Airbnb was these apps. Uh, she just started She just started going right past me when it comes to knowing what's new and, and how to use it and this and that. And it really, um, I think, sort of made her more um, mobile herself it made her more um what's the word i'm looking for not autonomous but it gave her yeah it gave her um autonomy to live her life and kind of do things whereas before it was reliant on other other people and so i i think that's really cool i also think you know i i have an academy myself called arlen's academy and i i, I gifted my mom it's very pompous of me but i gifted her um a a, a, a tuition to it and she's like, this is great. And I love the experts on there, but I would rather, um, you know, sort of teach than, yeah. than learn. And so there's a, there's also a lot to be said about, is, is there is there a company out there that has, the experts are 60 to 85 to 60 to 90, right? Well, this, it's so interesting you say that because again, it gets set up all of the, the, if you go on to call them teachers, but you know, all of the folks that are facilitating classes are people who are 60 plus and are former teachers yeah. themselves. So that's great. So yeah, it's that, really, uh, when I say it's peer to peer, it's like, really, it's just kind of, it's that piece. Actually, there's a great foundation called the SCAN Foundation. And they recently did some research that said the majority of older adults are looking to teach, give back, mentor, tutor. And if you go back to your dinosaurs example, and if you just think about tribal 
societies. I mean, the elders were the leaders, right? They were the sage wise ones and no decision was made without the elders being involved. And like, I think that there's a sociological norm of wanting to be able to um, impart your wisdom. And I mean, it's my, and my grandmother, she was probably one of the most influential people in my life. She was a teacher for, for 60 years in New York city public schools, not 60 years, she probably closer to 50 years. And I mean, she taught, I mean, the, what she taught all of us, her grandkids, I mean, it, it was, it was truly amazing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that uh, that makes sense. The other points interesting about your mom is, and we see this now with technology. I mean, coming out of COVID 77% of older adults use telehealth. Like think about it. First of all, who used telehealth before? Mm-hmm. And now we have 77% of seniors knowing how to get online and, and use a video, some sort of interactive video tool. Yeah. Now to, I'm going to see, I'm going to see my mom's forehead for a good 45 seconds before I see anything else, but she's yeah. definitely going to use it still. <laughs> yes, exactly. Video call. I'm going to see her forehead yep. and I'm going to see her dancing around. But <laughs> but that's the thing is that like, so my parents, so my mom, my mom is a tech wizard. She was one of the, she was an early employee at IBM degree in statistics. You know, she's like completely an outlier of her generation, but she's essentially the tech support for my dad and all of their friends. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that every older adult has to be tech savvy. They just need someone in their somebody, midst, whether yeah. it's somebody who's yeah. getting them on the device and then you know, when, while, when they take their head in and out and yell at it, it's, it's, it's someone there to help them. Yeah. One of the things, um, you know, this is your first millions podcast. So we, we talk about, um, we talk about all sorts of things on it. So one of the things I'm thinking is what, about, what if there's someone listening right now who is 60 plus there's 60 to hundred and mm-hmm. which there are many, um, and they're saying, okay, I'm in, I, I'm sold, I get it. But I also personally want to make my first million at mm-hmm. 67, at yep. 74. Do you, do you, we talked a little bit about this in the first episode of, of, that we ever had with Pamela, Dr. Pamela Jolly. Um, so go back and listen to that if you have that question. But what do you think about that? Do you think it's still, there's still time for people to have that independent wealth at this age? And can you, and if so, can it be through entrepreneurship? I mean, it is a great question. Um, I mean, let's be honest, entrepreneurship on average is not the surest way to wealth accumulation. I mean, most entrepreneurs fail. Right. So it's true. as much as I'm really eager to have more older adult founders, I, I think there's no, there's no promises or guarantees. And so I think that, that, it is, having said that, there's data to support that older adults who found businesses are more successful than their younger counterparts. So I do believe, and also it would be great to marry them up, to have that combination of, of skills and talents. And again, you know, again, you know as well that co-founders are more successful than single founders. Mm-hmm. So that would be the thing I would say to someone who's like, hey, I'm interested in being an entrepreneur. Great. Send me a line at hello at primetimepartners.com. Let's find someone to co-found the business with you. Um, just like Alan and I did, 45-year-old and 85-year-old at the time. Um, and so I think if you're going to do entrepreneurship, make sure you have folks around you that complement what you can do. Um, that being said, if you want to make your first million, what are, what's your experience set? What are you an expert in? Let's trade on your expertise. 
whether that's through consulting, advisory work, or going back in in a leadership position in, in a company um, that really values what you have to, to offer. I think so often people are trying to pivot. And the one thing I've seen, and, and Alan would really support this as well, is that not to just stick to your knitting, but wherever it is that you're an expert, that's where value is. And that that can be translated into something. So if you spent your career working in the automotive industry, great, let's figure out how you take that expertise and parlay it into to income. Yeah. But all that thing being said, it's no matter what age, it's damn hard to make a million bucks. Well, the, you know, I always say there's only one you and there's billions of people and that, that experience that you have uh, is, is valuable um, until, until, you know, you know, the end, I guess. I don't know. It's very weird to say, but I say it to myself. Um, the, the, um, the billion dollar idea I, I, I have are here in this is show me a company that is focused on getting 60 plus people into something like the gig economy or something mm -hmm. like uh, you, you know, you, you, it's like an a a Avon for the next generation or something like that, where it's something that can be taught. Yes. And something that you have ownership of, and then you go out and do um, not necessarily uh, selling things, but maybe it's, it's, it's voiceover work, or maybe it's, you know, this or that and the other. I mean, there's so mm -hmm. many different things that this, this hub of a platform could be. So whoever has that already happening, please get in touch with me and, and, and Abby will look at it together. Uh, <laughs> or if you don't, if we don't know of it, please create it. Cause that's, there's something there um, that's beneficial to a lot of people. Um, last thing I'll want to talk about, it's kind of going back to the beginning really, which is why did you, why did you get into this space to begin with? Not, not necessarily the fund, but like you said, you were at SoulCycle, you had uh, uh, other companies. What sort of, launched that for you if you if you go back and think about yeah i mean it's i, I i'm pausing because like there's like, so I started my career at McKinsey. And so like, there's the truly like analytical point of view, which is yeah. like, well, it's a $15 trillion business. And you know, like there's, yeah. there's all that, you know, and it's white space. And like, I could put in every like consulting jargon word of why the industry, why, why looking at what, what most venture capitalists call the silver tsunami mm -hmm. or silver tech or all of those things is really interesting. And to be honest, I'm not the first one to think of this. Like there's other funds. Most venture funds have had a bullet point of investment themes because it's the fastest growing demographic in the world. And it controls 60% of the net worth of our country. So, you know, again, it's not like it's, I'm no genius. It's not rocket science, but I think what really attracted me to just focusing on a population that I felt is, is underserved is a combination of, of, as I said, kind of just frustration of just kind of being like, wow, we are all going, it's totally your point, Arlen, we're all going to be this way. Like this is one universal, like talk about, you know, a, a diversity issue. This isn't like, we're all going to the same place. And yet, like, why is it that there's just not enough innovation and entrepreneurship in the space? So I, one of it was just being pissed off. But the other is, you know, I'm incredibly fortunate. I grew up, you know, I would say a very privileged, you know, suburban Ivy League schools. And I'm, I'm just, I have a little bit of, I hope a little bit of perspective to say, like, I didn't want to work on issues that uh, affected that they didn't have impact. And so I'm not saying, and, and that's going to sound probably too like high and mighty, but like, I'm very aware that I've had every um, opportunity 
And then to figure out how I can spend my time professionally working on things that are for people who don't have opportunity, that was really important to me. Um, and so I think a combination of the couple of things of just like the sheer analytics of like, this is an interesting space from a capitalist point of view, but then the social impact piece. And then lastly, just that, I would say existential reality that like, hey, ultimately I'm helping myself and my community because we're all gonna be there too. Yeah, and what, what, what finally is, is something that you want us not to forget coming out of COVID, you know, what, what should we five years from now still be thinking about in this time? I mean, there's so many things, um, but I think COVID has strengthened the family fabric. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but whether you've talked to your, and I don't know what your family dynamics are, but we've talked about your mom. Like, I think you could probably say across America that the, fa- the, the fabric of our families has been strengthened because we have been sitting and hanging out with them for an entire year. And I really hope we keep that fabric because it is such an important piece of, of happiness and purpose and support. And, and, and I think that to me would be one thing that I certainly feel like with my family. Um, but at the core of it is kindness and I think that that is something that you can say your family is your blood family, your family is your community, your family is however you want to identify as your family, but let's keep the kindness. And let's, I mean, one of the things that you talked about earlier with COVID and and how we saw how uh, older people were living, and it just kind of was a stark reminder. It's like, let's not forget that when this is over, that there's still going to be people sort of stuck in their homes or, or, you know, and I don't know exactly how to, how to remedy that, but I think, you know, a simple phone call helps. Yeah. Or, or knocking on the door and making sure your, your neighbor's okay or something like that. I think that's some of the things that we've learned too over this time. So all of that uh, is wrapped up in the kindness. Um, how do people get in touch with you if they want you to look at their company that is very much in this space or if they want to ask you anything? Yeah, I'd love it. Um, the best is email. It's hello at primetimepartners with an S.com. Um, and, you know, we, we do our best or I do my best to get back to everybody. Um, you know, definitely there's been a since we announced last July, there's been a lot of inbound, but, um, you know, really, really happy to have anyone who's interested in our mission to kind of come on board and we'll figure out what comes next. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, for having this chat with me. I feel like I got to know you quite well, and I will definitely look forward to more conversation about all the things that you're doing, including the Shark Tank idea. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Arlen. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Arlen. Thanks for listening to this episode. So I would love to keep up with you online. You can find me at Arlen was here on Instagram and on Twitter. That's A-R-L-A-N was here. I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you. Your First Million is produced by Anna Eichenauer. Executive producer Arlen Hamilton. Associate producer Chacho Valadez. Theme song is used by permission by the artist Tobey Nuigwe.